With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. This is an interactive, interactive. interactive podcast. Designed for audience participation. Come talk, 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 text chat, or listen live at TalkShoe.com. Well, we're supposed to have music there. There we go. That's what it's all about. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. Well, hey, it's uh, Dave Nelson, uh, the numbers guy, the passionate one, and uh, it, no, I'm not the passionate one. <laughs> Let's start you know, off. Okay, take two. You know, you know, we couldn't get through the first minute. We actually first got the music. Seconds. We got the music <laughs> a little bit late. A little bit late. And you're already calling yourself the passionate one because you finally got this I got right. music. I'm passionate about it. You're killing okay, me over Dave here. Dave Nelson, I'm the numbers guy. I'm the engineer. What can I say? And across the table from me is the passionate one. The passionate one. The other guy. And now I have not had one sip of wine yet, so <laughs> I must say I'm, I'm Maybe way. Maybe that's the problem. That's way behind. So uh, let's. Um, uh, let's get right into it. It's another episode of Cellar Dwellers. It's, Cellar Dwellers. It's part one, a little bit different. We're going to have a two-part show tonight, part one of the Frozen Grapes show. Right. We're going to go through the process of making homemade wine from start to finish, but starting with a frozen must. That's sort of pseudo-kit, but I mean it's the way most folks probably make homemade wine. Some people might call it kit wine, but this is basically just, we're talking, tonight you're getting crushed grapes that came straight from the vineyard, and, and they're already, it's like you put them through the crusher destemmer, and then they show up and they're frozen, which suppresses the fermentation and the, the wild yeast and all the bad stuff, but other than that, I mean, it's like you're starting with fresh grapes. You're going to have skins and juice and all the good stuff. So right. but a kit wine, be, but it, barely. It's going to be a little different for us, though, because people are always a little astonished that we make our wine from the grapes. I mean, from we the grapes. bring them in from California and really do it from scratch. So it will be a lot of fun to go through these steps and see the differences, see where we screw up, where the similarities are. <laughs> and um, We never screw up. No. No. <laughs> We, we, this is a completely flawless performance. We never make any mistakes. Uh, but welcome to another Cellar Dweller show. Part one is taking place on January 16th from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where it was the most amazing and interesting day. There were complete whiteouts today and bright sunshine. I mean, it was just bizarre. Strange, swirly kind of weather today. But our first real sort of winter weather. We've I mean, been having been the nicest here. winter or lack thereof. Fantastic. And by the way, it was 19 degrees in Scottsdale two days ago. No way. I mean, we haven't been that cold yet. So no. Scottsdale, Arizona. They beat us already. Exactly. And by the way, uh, Jerry listening live 
live on talk show. In fact, even called in on talk show says, no mistakes. Is this the right show? <laughs> well, Jerry, you're making the mistake of believing us that there have been no errors. We've had, I don't know, we're three minutes and 44 seconds into it. And we've, I think we've had not more than four or five errors to this point in the show. You're in the right place, Jerry. <laughs> Welcome to Cellar Dwellers with the numbers guy and the passionate one. All right, at least we had intro music. It's part one of Frozen Grapes. Uh, passionate one, what are we drinking? You can leave that off there. Welcome to our studio guest. I know it, it lags. There's a bit of a delay. It's a bit confusing. We, we actually have live guests in the studio tonight, which is just fantastic since we weren't planning on that. They're beating the doors down. There's they a line are. out on Route 19 to get into and the, the studio. And the good thing about being a live guest uh, is you get to taste live wine right here with us. You show up, and tonight not only are we tasting the Dancing Bull. Uh, passionate one, you want to tell us what we're tasting tonight? Well, as we mentioned last week... From Rancho Zabeco, the Dancing Bulls Infidel. Now, I happen to have the, uh, from California, the 2004 vintage, and it's a really cool label. I really like that label. And this this is a really good sort of um, staple kind of Zinfandel. It was twelve ninety nine here in Pennsylvania, so it was probably <laughs> $6, six dollars in California. California. Um, but it's um, consistently very good. Um, I'm not. I have to be honest. I haven't been following following Zin the past few years, so I don't know how the '04 uh, vintage was in uh, California for Zin. But this is always a very good, reliable Zinfandel, and I thought this would be a really nice, fun one to to try and uh, taste across the the country tonight. Here, I love it. We try to pick up uh, a reasonably available wine, not one of those where they produce two cases so that anybody can buy the same wine. And uh, by the way, I, I noticed that uh, if, if you didn't show up at the show ahead of time, you might not have known to get your dancing bowl, but uh, anyone who uh, goes on the talk show website one week ahead of time or looks at what the show is going to be a little bit in advance, we'll see what we are doing in our distributed Internet wine tasting. Uh, I must say, uh, is it Ange or Angie? or I think it's Ange. A-N-G-E, uh, first-time listener, as far as I recall to the show, welcome to the Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast. Welcome. You're going to learn more than you ever wanted to know about home winemaking, and uh, you'll be led into more mistakes than you ever hoped to make in home winemaking. Anyway, welcome to the show. It is Dancing Bull tonight, and also in the studio, thanks to listener Alpha King, who is a home winemaker extraordinaire, uh, uh, sounds like Angelo. Uh, A-N-G-E says like Angelo. So it's Angelo. Uh, thank you for the pronunciation guide. You're quickly learning Ange. what every other listener to the show knows. That I'm we don't know how to talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and pretty much all our intelligence comes from listeners providing us real-time guidance as Thanks we're God. going on how to pronounce things, what things taste like, uh, what to say. If it weren't for our listeners, we'd be uh, you know, pretty much SOL. So <laughs> thank you for the guidance. You are learning so quickly. You are one of our um, best listeners, now one of the three uh, who listens to us, and one of the best. Um, thank you for the guidance. So uh, tonight we also have from listener Alpha King his homemade Syrah, and not just any Syrah, but a 1995 Syrah. Unbelievable. Pulling out my tasting notes here. I hear them. This is 75% Syrah at a 22.8 
bricks, 22.8% alcohol, or sugar, which sugar, uh, yeah. translates into probably about a 13% alcohol. A little, little low, a little lower uh, than we're just used to. Just a hint, but you know what, 20, the, the classic advice is 225 yeah. to 24.5% bricks. If you're above 24.5, you know, you better be finding a special yeast. Right. Uh, this also has 25% Cabernet Franc, uh, Sonoma Mountain, 23 bricks. So fantastic, and he used a Montrachet yeast, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. It was fermented in uh, 1996, 896, and fined with an egg white, ah. which anyone who wants to know the egg white fining recipe from, from Alpha King, just email us at our main contact number, cellardwellers at TalkShoe. Dot com, and we will mail you back the egg white fining recipe. So this was fined with the uh, egg whites and uh, also with sparkaloid a uh, little bit after fermentation. That was in 298, and uh, it won a gold medal in the Indiana International Wine Competition in 99. So, passionate one. Just a quick visual comparison of the Syrah 95, and we are the only people in this show that get to enjoy this, other than maybe Alpha King himself. And the uh, what year is our dancing bull? It is 2004, and the first thing you can see, boy, he really did a wonderful job. Dark and inky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with but with a wonderful dark, I wouldn't say brickish, but really gorgeous looking uh, color. Obviously, fine, beautifully, nice fingers on the glass. Um, really looks looks wonderful. I know the the last bottle we had, which was from the mid '90s, was incredible, unbelievable. Now, and we we'll have to talk to Alpha King in a few minutes about if this came from frozen must, which we'll be talking about. We will. That's this is about a frozen grape show. I do notice compared to the wine that is nine years newer, the Dancing Bull, and I think this has nothing to do with anything but age that you do have a bricker color as opposed to maybe a purplier color. Definitely. If those are words. Um, one of the things you'll see in any wine as it ages is the color does break down. So no question, we don't have to track which one is in the glass with the gold rim, which, by the way, Alpha King is yours, or the ones in the shorter, stouter, non-gold rim. Um, you can tell just by looking at the color. Which what one happened is to the, the stemless goblets tonight? Well, they're they're out there, but there's only two of them. Ah, and we have and a with guest, our, so we our guest in the studio. We we wanted to have three of each, so we well broke done. out the traditional wine glasses. Well done, amazing. So we're doing the '95 Syrah and the uh, '04 uh, Dancing Bull. So why don't we uh, just very quickly open up our lines? We're going to unmute those. Oh, we got uh, we got still some wine or intro music. <laughs> Another mistake. Okay, that's shut off. Look at how quickly I cut that off. Uh, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, was that know, running the I, whole time? I have no, to tell you. because we muted it. We muted it. They weren't hearing it. I, I have to tell you, Dave, I'm not the high-tech guy. <laughs> I am the passionate one, but you know, there are times where I have to draw the draw line. line. Draw it's the line. Draw the line. issues. Oh, man. Now, that's... Uh, you passionate one have just stumbled into an idiom. Oh. An idiom in terms of drawing the line. And Who I, are you calling an idiom? I go can't ahead. let that go by without drawing the line. So we, we must go to the dictionary here about drawing the line. And 
Um, you know, I'm not finding it, not finding it at all. We're, we're looking at, that's unbelievable, isn't it? The Scholastic Dictionary of Idioms. And sorry, we're going to go to wine tasting, but I'm just going to mute Alpha King there to cut down the echo a little bit. It's that darn voiceover IP. Uh, the oh, Scholastic, no, that, that really is where that comes from. That's uh, echoing off of VoIP. Uh, we love VoIP callers. Please yeah. call in, no issue, but they do tend to echo a little bit. Um, so this is by Marvin Terban, T-E-R-B-A-N, and apparently the the origin of drawing the line. Of course, it means to you know sort of set a limit, especially with some with respect to some behavior. Uh, it turns out that this goes back to you know thousands of years ago. Thousands, thousands of years ago. This is not a new idiom. You know, when land was divided, how did you divide the the land? Well, you needed a line, right, to show. Uh-huh. Where they didn't have those fancy surveying instruments or right. global positioning satellites. You couldn't say, you know, exactly the latitude and longitude. In fact, they had. When did that get invented? I don't know, but they drew lines. So you drew a line to show the end of one person's property and the beginning of the next. And of course, there might be trouble if one uh, either didn't crossed draw the line or yeah. crossed the line. Right. So, um, you know, that's where it comes from. But of course, popular sports like cricket and tennis, not that we in the U.S. would know what cricket is, but our thousands or tens of thousands of UK or Australian or New Zealand or Indian listeners know what cricket is, uh, you know, that sort of reinforces the whole idea of drawing the line. So there's a lot of places where you have to draw a line to show the limit. That's where that comes from. And don't put your wicket on my side of the line. <laughs> you know, your my wicket is not seeing anything close to you at all. Not at all. By the way, you were... Um, under the weather last week, yes, which caused us to have to go head-to-head with President Bush in his long-awaited speech to the nation about uh, how we're going to... purposely scheduled that across from a cellar dweller's I think you're right, so that nobody week. would listen to his... I have a little his, problem with George. Right. I like George, but I'm, I'm a little upset about that. No, he, he, it's not that he uh, scheduled it to be dissing us. He scheduled it so that he would know few people would show up for the television broadcast of his speech, which ah, frankly was weak on content because they're all listening to Cellar Dwellers. So I think Bush used us as opposed to us using Bush, right? And this week, we being programming geniuses are building on our success of last week, and we're going right against the number one show on all of network television, American Idol, which is debuting tonight. It's running right now as we speak. Brilliant! <laughs> I'm sure their numbers are down horribly. Probably Simon is going like right now, or Paula. How come nobody's calling in to vote? It's because they're all listening to Cellar Dwellers. Tomorrow morning on Fox News, we're going to be talking sure about the low numbers. There will be nothing American but uh, these Cellar Dwellers be damned. Unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have to move off. Of two- they're going to say they're not on Tuesday nights anymore because... You know, they can't go against the cellar dwellers. Well, I, I have to immediately apologize. I was totally off the mark. Yet another idiom. <laughs> but, 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 oh, wait, I haven't told what under the weather means yet. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was totally wrong on my definition of under the weather. Of course you were. Okay, I was, so I said it was a leaking thatched roof in <laughs> which England. was clever, but this makes so much more sense it than does. that. So let me tell you the, like, have you read this? 
Yes, I, I, I gave you the book. Oh, I thank own, you. I wrote the book. Oh, you cheater. Okay, so Under the Weather. I like this. You know, Under the Weather, uh, the cellar dweller, passionate one, was not feeling well, not up to the show on Tuesday when we could have had a monster audience, but, you know, Bush mm-hmm. beat us on Wednesday. Right. Uh, so it turns out this goes back to the mid-1700s. Everything goes to the mid-1700s. No, no, no. We're going to have a much more current idiom in a minute. Not that we plan these things out. <laughs> At a time, because we don't do any show prep, but it just sort of flows as it flows. But back in the mid-1700s, you know, people traveled by boat, right? You couldn't jump on a 747. American Airlines did not fly to Europe. You had to get on the the steamer. Lexus? Infinity? None of those either? None of those either, sorry to say, uh, unless the horse was named Lexus or Infinity. So in stormy weather, when the water was rough, well, a lot of people uh, were feeling sort of seasick, right? Have you ever been out on a boat that up and down and you're not in sight of land and, you know, it takes about a... i got to tell you something. I get seasick taking a shower. There you go. (laughs) I've been there. I love, you know, the roller coasters and all that kind of stuff. And um, anyway, it turned out that uh, seasick was, uh, you know, part of being on a boat. And, of course, when the boat is on stormy seas, weather bouncing it up and down, you are under the influence of bad weather. Ah. Well, soon, instead of saying somebody was under the influence of bad weather, the waves and the up and down motion, it was shortened to say you are under the weather. And that exact phrase first appeared in a novel in 1850. So, uh, passionate one, when, when you were under the weather last week, it was uh, apparently due to seasickness. <laughs> there you go. The true origin of the I idiom. I stand corrected. You stand corrected. Thank you Except for clarifying that under the weather idiom. All right. Now, we were trying to unmute everybody. Unmute all, and let's remute our local uh, uh, echo there. And uh, Alpha King, you're actually sounding pretty good at the moment. Does anyone else have the uh, Dancing yeah. Bull Zinfandel? Anyone and able to pick that up this week? What are you tasting? What kind of spiciness or aromas or flavors are you are you picking up at the moment? Jerry, did you get this one? Yeah, we we in fact do have it. We uh, I know there's, there's a rush to talk about this from all the all the listeners, but uh, I'll jump in first. Uh, jump in first, Jerry. It's uh, you know you're just pushing to the front of the line. Just for God's sakes, be careful. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, we do have it, and I guess I'm picking up um, some a lot of pepper in my nose. Not, not a hint of pepper. I shouldn't say a lot. My wife um, pointed out cinnamon, which I thought was interesting. Cinnamon. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. You know what's interesting is the winemaker's name is Eric Cinnamon. Oh, that is interesting. Can no you know, way. I no way. Yes. They don't have any notes. It's about right on the label. <laughs> Yeah, we're not looking at the notes. I mean, I just knew we're that not from cheating off their knowledge. Well, of course, of course, you know who makes Dancing Bull. Dancing Bull is Eric Cinnamon. That really is the winemaker's name. You're not uh, pulling my leg. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> never ends, does it? It never ends. I'm just gonna check real quick. Was I wait, accidentally wait, wait, wait. pulling your leg? Were you pulling? Okay, I've got. Uh... Oh, what do you know? We've got pull the rug out. We've got pull the wool over. Pull the stakes up. We've got pull yourself together, pull all your eggs into one basket. I don't know if I've heard that one. Um, oh, that was a put all your eggs in. But we got pull your leg, which uh, by idiom means to, uh, of course, to tease or fool someone. In the late 1800s, late 1800s, we're back in the last 
the century before it's last. It's not the mid-1700s. If somebody Jeez, that's tripped, where I thought they all came from. Sometimes people tripped other people by catching their legs with a cane or a, uh, you know, maybe running a string along the sidewalk. This sounds like some teenagers. Wild teenagers in the 1800s. Either teenagers or parliament. <laughs> I'm not sure which. <laughs> Parliament, that's what it is. Those damn parliamentarians. Uh, sometimes it was just for fun. Other times, robbers did it to steal from the victim after he or she had fallen. So pulling your leg really was literally uh, pulling your leg. Wow. The cane or the string. Imagine that. All right. Alpha King, did you happen to procure the dancing bull's infidel? Alpha King. Yeah. Did you procure the uh, dancing oh, bull yes, in tonight? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because you mute me. Yes, I did. It's a little. It's not quite as dense as I'm used to with the Zinfandel. Um, so it's high alcohol. It does taste a little bit lighter. I'll grant you that. What do you like? What are it's, you tasting? It seems fairly fruity. I don't get the cinnamon content that um, was mentioned. I I didn't get the cinnamon myself. What what year do you have the O four? Yes, I do. Yeah. How, how does anyone know how O four was for for Zinn in California? As a vintage. I I really don't. I use four. Yeah. Question. Yeah. I don't know. So how about uh, are you getting pepper? Black cherry? Yes, pepper and, and fruity, jammy types of flavor. Not as, not as jammy as the Ravenswood type of Zinfandel. But. I, I agree with Alpha King. I'm getting more fruity, jammy than that sort of uh, fun, spicy, cinnamon, peppery that um, you know you get in a lot of other Zins. I'm not getting as much of that. Not a lot of tannins. I mean, it's um, goes down pretty pretty quickly. Um it's an, it's I think it's very nice and enjoyable. It's certainly not super sophisticated, but um uh I I've noticed the last few vintages of Zinfandel, I've not noticed them to be as I mean, we always say spicy for a Zin, but I've not noticed that as intense the past few years. And so I don't know my I, I don't know if that's the vintages talking or or, here's my or the winemakers changing their well, style. Now I think you're on the right track. I, I have a theory for everything, right? Oh, I and know you do. <laughs> I think I think the issue And you're is... usually pulling our leg. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pulling the leg implies intentional. Misleading may be unintentionally, I could be doing that, but I think uh, Zinfandel has become, or is becoming, a more popular wine. It's you might be definitely rising in popularity in um, in in the United States and probably worldwide, but definitely in the U.S. And obviously, when when something rises in popularity, in general, the winemakers respond by increasing the quantity, not necessarily the quality. It takes a long time. There's a long lead time to planting more, you know, more grapes, more mm -hmm. uh, clones, as they call them. And so, my theory is that perhaps the average quality of the average Zinfandel is declining these days. You know, I think for the first time, I'm going to call the numbers guy absolutely brilliant because I totally agree with this theory. I think Zinfandels caught on. I think that they are 
increasing yields, making a lot more wine. I think they've lost intensity. I think they've lost a lot of the Zin character. I I was absolutely in love with Zinfandel a half dozen years ago. And, uh, and it was so then, amazingly spicy. Amazingly wonderful wine. Hard to pair with foods because it was, oh, yeah. just, it was like overwhelming. Right, exactly. It was like a meal. But I have not been – I've just – unintentionally not been buying that much Zinfandel the past few years because they've really become sort of, um, you know, just pick one. I mean, nothing's really standing out. And, and and this is very nice, but this is not what I remember just a few years ago for Zinfandel. I must say, uh, if you really want to taste what a Zinfandel is supposed to taste like, and you've got maybe, you know, 50 bucks. Buy Woodbine Estates, 05 is Absolutely, that's exactly what I was going to say. If you can't get your hands on that one, it's hard to do. What you're what you're going to want is there is a wine out there that's called Lava Cap, as in the top of a, uh, a volcano, which you know is sort of like sitting on top of something which is explosive. The perfectly named, most aptly named wine, Lava Cap. Uh, don't go for the regular one. Go for the uh, the Reserve. That is the most amazingly spicy wine of any varietal that you will ever take, taste. It's just unbelievable. That's what a Zinfandel is all about. Having said what we just agreed on, which may be the second time we've agreed in a year on the show. <laughs> right, because we're about to get into a monstrous fight on corks versus screw caps. So let's yes. sort of build a little bit of equity here. Well, I would say that I think the vineyard's and the wineries that make the the wineries rather that make Zinfandel realize that there is a market for quality Zin for the real Zin lovers. While these sort of mass produced sort of you know Raffinelli uh, baby yeah Raffinelli and the old vine um, oh yes the, uh, like Dancing Bull has an old vine which was right. not quite twice anything the cost, that's been around for eighty five yeah. years is going to produce good grapes. I, I think they're sectioning off their parts of their vineyards to make some exceptional zins, which are probably what the standard zins were to me six or seven years ago or eight years ago, um, and they're still around, but you have to pay a lot more for them and maybe a little tougher to find. The standard zin, I think, to me, has really. Uh, in my opinion, just sort of dropped in in, in quality. I think you're bit. right. It's and uh, and I think quantity well, to what you re- referring back to your comments earlier. So have you Very guys good. tried the reserve dancing bulls in? I I have not. No, you know what, uh, Alpha King, I I have not either. Um, that was Jerry. Just oh, sorry, time. Jerry. Um, uh, I I have not, and I saw that um, saw it on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it today at the um uh at the state store or the wine and spirit store. And it was like twenty bucks or something. So it wasn't a lot of money, but it was the I, fact that I spent fifty dollars on our wine last week did not in any way influence you on what you might buy for this week. I tried to get a, a use a giant eagle coupon on for, for those of you who are new to the show. And by the way, uh, Dav Har, I see. Uh, welcome to our show. Uh, you will know that the passionate one across the table from me has a. Um, certain passion about trying to keep his uh, wine expenditures under $12. And I must say, I really admire your expertise in buying phenomenal wines for less than $12. You are you, you are really a master at it. Well, it's just a lot of reading. I mean, I can't have any real claim. I, You know, you try a bottle. Wine Spectator. It, wine Spectator, exactly. I mean, uh, those guys know what they're talking about. They taste thousands of wines, and um, they're pretty reliable. In that in that price range. By the way, one more tasting note here. 
Alpha King's 95 Syrah blend, which was 75% Syrah, 25% Cabernet Franc, yep. is absolutely phenomenal. We it are is totally, totally loving it. blowing me away. And, blow, and, and the Dancing Bull is very nice, but it is blowing away Dancing Bull. Um, super, super job. How Alpha King, I'm telling you, this wax thing, I'm... I'm, we've got to buy some wax. <laughs> well, it's a combination <laughs> it's of the wax. Our, but wait, 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 wait. I don't want to sort of bust oh, Alpha King on the Oh, we have a little, a little <laughs> question for the King but man. Yes, Alpha King, I'm going to unmute you right here because uh, we are just slightly suspicious that, um, you know, y- your bottle is beautiful. It's labeled as a uh, 95 Syrah. Uh, no question, it's, it looks very authentic. Really but nice sort of corrugated yeah, cut label, uh, we, beautiful job. We love the, uh, you know, the wax uh, cork uh, seal, but we pull out the cork, and the cork says Kendall Jackson. And, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but, you know. <laughs> now, look, if Kendall Jackson isn't your brother-in-law, right. you've got some yeah, explaining yeah, to got, do. You've got to tell us, uh, how did a Kendall Jackson cork end up uh-huh. in your garage? I thought you'd get that by yeah, nice seller huh? Actually, you know what? Okay. He's, he's got yeah. an ace in the hole, and I will reveal his ace in the hole in a minute here. But please clue us in, no, Alba no, no. King. No, it, you know, back then, that's. A few years ago, I bought corks that were, you know, leftovers or something. I didn't have the sources of corks that I have now where you can get them unlabeled and what have you. So those, it was a mixed bag of, you know, corks that were left over from different wineries. <laughs> it isn't Kendall Jackson that's in that bottle. <laughs> Well, I know that to be true, although not every person who might drink this would believe you. Um, I must compliment you because the quality of the cork, you can look at a cork and and sort of judge the quality. This is a phenomenal quality. That's a really really high quality cork. Very, very fine. Whatever you paid for it, you probably got a good deal. The one way I know, Mm -hmm. the way I know you're telling the truth is if one holds this up to the light, there is a phenomenal amount of sentiment, sentiment, sediment, sediment in this wine, even attached to the edge of the bottle, which you would not get if this were a commercial winery. Oh, but yeah, right. is it's one of the sediment. true pleasures of a homemade wine. So uh, anyone who cares to judge, the difference between a homemade wine and a commercial wine, I've never seen a homemade wine where the uh, sediment actually coats the inside of the glass. You've never seen a commercial wine. Sorry, commercial wine, but homemade (laughs) wine, it happens all the time. See, that was not my suspicion at all of Alpha King. See, I I hold Alpha King perhaps in a little higher regard than you do. (laughs) I didn't... (laughs) He's pitching for extra bottles directly to his home there, Alpha King. Let me give you... (laughs) (laughs) Just give give out your address right now, passionate one. No, I... It's 130 Woodbine Lane, Mars, PA, 16046. (laughs) Attention... Dave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wrong address. My suspicion was not that this was not homemade wine. Yes. But that he had a bottle of Kendall Jackson the night before he bottled his own wine and just shoved a Kendall Jackson cork, cork back into, into it. You know that 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 was my suspicion. Might not to be save a bad the idea, fifty cents. No, that wouldn't work because frankly, a, a used cork 
is not going to seal well because, first of all, it's compressed into some other bottle, and secondly, it's probably got you know a hole punched through it. You do not want to reuse a cork. That's the bottom no, line. I, so, I know that. I like I, the over-branded explanation combined with the obvious uh, sediment in this wine. But this wine is phenomenal. This I wine mean, is this, phenomenal. This wine Thank is you very much. Thank you very much. I fabulous, Joe. When I tasted it, was, it, was, it did seem to hold the age. It really is drinking fairly well. Ex- extremely well. And uh, my hats, we, we've got to do, uh, when we get to the bottling and storage process of, of our going through our kit wines, Dave, or our frozen must wines, we've got to pick Alpha King's brain on this because how he's keeping a wine around for, what, 11 years, 11, 11 and a half yeah, years? Yeah, no, that's and, and, and to store this phenomenal. wine, I mean, to buy a, a high, a top-quality Bordeaux and keep it around 11 years is tough, and he's doing it with homemade wine. That's a, that's a, a statement to the quality of his wine and how he's storing The it. production techniques. And the story. Oh, this wine is from 2003, and he's stuck at 95. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Kendall Jackson does say 2003 on the yeah. cork, so how is he explaining that one? <laughs> you got some explaining to do. <laughs> it, just, it was made from frozen grapes, though. You asked that question earlier. Ah. It, is from, it is from Peter Brim, frozen musk. Well, for all of those listeners to part one, you're definitely going to want to come back in part two because obviously we're, as usual, behind schedule. We're not going to get to that in tonight's show. But part two, we're going to talk all about frozen grapes and Peter Brown. And frozen must. How, with uh, a little bit less effort, you can make a phenomenal wine, which uh, clearly Alpha King has done here. But you know what? You know what you guys should do? Actually, if you're going to talk about it, you should see if you could get him on the phone. Wow. You know, like he's, he's the, Bram, the Bram Meister himself. Peter Bram, I mean, he, you know, I don't know what his availability is, but, you know, when I went out to to go to an infectious disease meeting in, in um, San Francisco, I went over there. He lives in Al- Albany, which is, you know, near Oakland, and um, he's very approachable. He likes to talk. <laughs> He's got a ton of wine under his in his house. I mean, he gave me a couple bottles, you know, with no labels or anything, which are really outstanding. And you, I mean, he might be worthwhile, you know, getting him on the phone, you know, in the week, you know. I like to give suggestion. Him a, give him a jingle and see what he what he thinks. That's a great idea. Yeah, That's definitely. We'll, idea. We're going we're going to do that in a future show, with enough lead time that he can mail us a few bottles for sampling. There you go. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, hey, Alpha King, this is um, another phenomenal bottle. And and by the way, we still have another five or six to play through. And um, I must say, for all the people listening, I made a promise last week. You did, and you're carrying I promised that I was going to mail out uh, our wines to all those people who had sent us wine. So listen to this. This is something new. Uh, it turned out when I went down into my basement to look for wine mailers, I was totally out. I'd sent out so many bottles of, of olive oil, excuse me, alcohol, tobacco on firearms, people listening, IRS people listening, uh, olive oil, which we, we mail around the world. Uh, it turned out I'd sent so much that I no longer had any uh, mailers in my house. So. I went on the Internet, like uh, any uh, good um, tech person would do, and I the first place I found was selling 
wine mailers get this passionate one because I believe this is on you, not me. I've paid for my share of these. Uh, $20 per two bottles. Nice styrofoam mailer and box and all that. It looked beautiful, but $20 per? Wow. I mean, we're not spending that much on making two bottles of wine. Wow. So, surfed around the web a bit, and at a place called, I've got their catalog right here, Uline, uh, not currently a sponsor, but we're hoping to land them, um, along with uh, many French sponsors, Uline.com, U-L-I-N-E.com, <laughs> 1-800-295-5510, but go to their website. They have some wine mailers. And here I have in the studio tonight a wine mailer, and this is made of 65% post-consumer recycled paper. Ah, you got to love it. I love it, and it, it meets all UPS and FedEx standards. Of course, you're not allowed to mail wine with the USPS, so you've got to go to the uh, UPS or FedEx store. But it's got this nice two-part uh, pressed paper, uh, top and bottom mailer, and um, it, uh, you put your bottles in here two at a time, which means anyone listening who has mailed this wine is going to get two bottles, uh, sorry, olive oil. Correct me when I make these mistakes. Two bottles of olive oil. Two bottles of olive oil, uh, Judge. And uh, we just put these little olive oil wrappers around them. We stick that in there like that and close it down. Send them out. And I ordered 60. We've got 60 mailers of two bottles each, 120 bottles. So we'll which are coming out, out of your wine. stash. We will split that. Uh, well, I believe I've done most and of it I, to this well, point. Well, right, so how I about know, a, I owe the next three quarters, one quarter bottles. kind of split, okay? All so, right. uh, But for those of you waiting on your vino, we now have, these just came in today, mailers to send out the stuff. So sometime in the next week or two, we're going to get these out there and in in the mail. Olive oil. So so look for that in the mail. Very good. Now, to proceed with the proceedings. And we are totally running out of time. So this is we're coming up on the end of part one. And apologies, folks, but this is part one and this is, you know. Part that's one of two. Part one of two. You're just going to have to come back next week. And this is the live week. For those of you listening on the recording, if you're like dying to hear what happens in part two, you're just going to have to remember to show up for the live show. Because Next week. The, no, the live show happens all right like now. Like I said, now. <laughs> right, but the recorded show comes out half this week, half next week. So right. if you're like dying of curiosity and really regretting that you don't know what's happening next week, like there's probably one guy out there that's in that mode, but come to the live shows. We're on TalkShoe. We're TalkCast ID 18. It's one of those incredibly prestigious low numbers. Nobody has low numbers like that, 18. They're up in five digits now, you know, one, Incredible. three, seven, two, four. Uh, but anyway, coming to the end of part one, tell us what your story is there, passionate one. Well, what I actually, you're going to have to stick around for part two for the wine news. We've got some wonderful, right. oh, fun, good stories. We've got phenomenal two. wine news. But to wind up part one, because this is a home winemaking show, believe it or not, if you've been listening for the past 45 minutes. Welcome, Ziggy. Glad you could join us. Ah, Zig, Ziggy. The Zigmeister is there. Wonderful. Good to have you, Zigman. We are going to be making some homemade wine through the, the shows for the next um, you know, half dozen weeks. Homemade more. wine, but different than what we've done. We're right. buying 
frozen, frozen grapes, mushrooms. which you too can get and work exactly in parallel with us. And so to wind up part one of the show, as you know, step one of our homemade home winemaking podcast, which started back in March of '06, was equipment and materials and it supplies. It was all about equipment and materials and supplies. And doing a little bit of reading in the uh, very good publication, Winemaker um, Magazine. Hey, Alex, is, welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, they're just flooding in at this point. They're coming in because I'm speaking. Ah, that's what it so, is. Okay. That's what it is. It's the passionate one, Tog, the other guy. What, what I'll the, try to be quiet here, not talk, so that your audience can behold your speaking. You're doing a great job so far. <laughs> no problem. Be quiet for a minute. Shut up and be totally quiet. I'm not going to say anything else well, what after we are, this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Take it away. Well, I mean, like, we, right now, because I'm not going to say anything more. Really. No wonder I drink so much wine. What we are not familiar with is what equipment actually comes with these kits. And you can buy frozen musk, frozen crushed grapes, which, by the way, it seems that they all come sterile. I don't know if you knew that or not, uh, uh, numbers guy. But I, I come don't. Sterile, uh, and, and I think that's sort of a must, no pun intended, with the must, because if it wasn't sterile, stray yeast in transportation could probably start the fermentation process. You could end up with vinegar. So it comes sterile. You've got to inoculate it with a yeast. With the kits that you buy, I'm assuming that it comes. They come seem to come in, um, you know, five or seven gallon looking plastic uh, containers. You always have to have a container larger than your volume of wine because you're going to have some foaming in the fermentation process and a cap that forms. So don't fill it to the brim because you will have it flowing all over your wife's uh, kitchen floor. Right. Now I do want to just a little correction. Oh, this is Dave being <laughs> silent, by the way. Right, Go ahead, exactly. Dave. It's take not it away. sterile, but it's it's sulfited, okay? So not sterile, sulfited. I'm reading from <laughs> Winemaker Magazine <laughs> looking at containers that say sterile must. Okay, well, okay, so that wasn't my advice. That was Alpha King who said that. So look, look at the screen. It had nothing to do with me. I was only passing on a listener chat. Well, they're presenting it as sterile. But since we make our wine from <laughs> by buying the grapes and we have crusher and distiller yes, and fermentation right? tanks, these kits come pretty much self-contained and I'm assuming are going to have the appropriate um, yeast for that varietal of wine. Well, if you were talking and, kit, we're not talking kit here. We're talking Peter Brem frozen grapes. Uh, Alpha King, I just must ask, uh, just real quick, you're on the air. Are we talking frozen grapes or are we talking kit that comes with yeast and so on and so forth? Because you're the expert. We're we're new to this. We've always worked with like stems and grapes and all that kind of stuff. What are we going to get? If you get <clears throat> the, the frozen must is sulfited in the field when they crush the grapes. But it you uh, when you thaw it, they're, depending upon the grapes, I mean, like the Zinfandel grapes in the past that I've had, will have some mold on the top. So the wild yeast that's in the in the vineyard will be present and may not be inhibited. You've got to sulfite that a little bit more. So do you take a, a sulfite um, level when you receive your frozen must after you dethaw it or, or defrost it? 
No, I generally don't. I just I use a little bit more sulfite um, based upon the pH, and then inoculate with CNO, you know, commercial grade um, yeast that can withstand the sulfites. I mean, you got I mean, all the all the regular yeast that we use can withstand a fair amount of sulfite. The wild the wild yeast can't. And that's the beauty of it. So you can put in your own yeast, um, and probably 50, 75, even 100 parts per million sulfite, you're okay with a mm -hmm. uh, cultured yeast, as it were. And you get a starter, and you usually have a starter in terms of inoculation. It's not, you know, you don't have a packet of yeast. It's something that you've got 500 milliliters of grape juice that's been fermenting. So you get a very active culture of commercial yeast that goes in and it'll it'll outdo all the all the wild yeast. Okay, so so um for our listeners, I mean after all this is a home wine making uh podcast, you're going to receive these usually come in roughly five gallon buckets. Is that is that yep. correct? No not the standard the standard five gallon buckets that you know you get um you know, things for your floor, concrete, or whatever, you know, just the standard plastic things that are packed yeah. under vacuum. Yeah. That's sort of a trick to get them, get the top off because they're packed <laughs> just under vacuum, but <laughs> that's all they are. Okay, so so folks are going to need, if they buy just the frozen must, they are going to have to determine what varietal they have and buy appropriate yeast and have a fermentation container, some sort of food-grade quality plastic, right, To that's going to be larger, again, because of the foaming and the cap that's going to form during fermentation. They're going to need that. Plus, do you typically find that you need to add nutrients with this frozen, frozen must and your yeast? Now, i got to jump in here. You're like way, you're into part two of the show. So we're going to have to just pause at the second because we haven't gotten into the wine news yet. So we're, uh, I sort of jump in, Alpha King. But uh, By the way, this is the, the numbers the, guy being quiet the while the other guy speaks. The passionate one just sort of like, like he's taking it and he's running down uh, a total uh, left field tangent, whatever. We're just going to have to pause because we really have come to the end of part one of our show. So, sorry to say, but that's the end of part one. Now, I must say, with respect to promoting part two, I have a phenomenal story about screw caps. And screw caps, phenomenal wine news in part I do. Two. Oh, the wine news is unbelievable. Like, uh, we should uh, uh, quickly, uh, where's the wine news theme? No, we're not doing wine news, are we? There it is. Listen to how good it sounds. <laughs> it didn't work. We're not doing wine news, but there is, there's the wine news theme. Right? Thank you, David, for your unbelievable wine news theme. But we're not getting into it right now. That was a teaser for ne <laughs> next week's show. <laughs> so <laughs> don't, don't kill yourself. Um, you know, we've paced ourselves very poorly on this show. So we've talked about nothing for 45 minutes, 46 minutes, and 40. And the other guy tried seconds. to get it wheelless, wheelless into home wine no, making. But the, we'll numbers, the numbers two. guy tried to run the show appropriately. <laughs> it just didn't work. The passionate one took over and went off into left field there. 
But if you come back next week, you will learn all about frozen grapes, exactly what frozen grapes we're going to buy, what uh, what uh, vino we're going to make, and uh, what supplies and materials exactly we're need, what you need. That's all part of part two of this show. What we want you to do is to join us, buy the same uh, frozen grapes. We'll walk you through the process. If you have any questions, you can call us live. You can interact with us. And we will help you make your own phenomenal homemade wine. I think uh, you will be incredibly impressed with how good your wine is. It's the same kind of thing we're saying about Alpha King's wine here or our own homemade wine. You can make amazing wine with just a little bit of guidance, which thankfully we got from your friend, the winemaker, the Blue Ribbon Winemaker. So we're going to help you with that. Now, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at sellerdwellers@talkshow.com. We love emails. We're going to read them on the air. We've got emails in part two of the show, which will happen next week. And but if you want to be part of live, part of part two, stay on the line. Stay on the line for two. live part two, but right. to listen to part two, you're going to have to come back next week. Yeah, so uh, you know that, then. that's pretty much it for uh, the show this week. So uh, I think we play the outro here, right? Here, stay here. tuned for part two. Here it goes. There's part two. Clink your glasses. Cheers. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.